listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your guest host, Andrew Martin-Smith. During the 76th annual Midwest Band and Orchestra Clinic, held mid-December in Chicago, Illinois, we at Adjective had the pleasure of representing 21 composers at our exhibitor booth, and we were thrilled to have several members of our Composers Collective on hand to interact with the numerous creatives and music programmers in attendance. Our regular podcast host, Rob McClure, brought along some portable podcast gear to document a tiny slice of the Midwest experience, which is what we bring to you today. We hope that you enjoy these mini-interviews from Midwest featuring a cross-section of composers, conductors, performers, and arts administrators making a difference in our contemporary music world one piece or one program at a time. Uh, it's Lexical Tones podcast at Midwest, and we've got Ken Thompson sitting in front of us, and we're just going to do a little interview. So uh, the question uh, for you know performers, conductors, is uh, how are you uh, creating lasting relationships uh, with composers? So this is something that I've really focused on for most of my career because as a young conductor, I wanted to connect with young composers, and and I do a lot of commissioning, mm-hmm. and I have an advantage in that being in the academy. You know, I have you know not unlimited, but I have very flexible resources mm-hmm. that I can allocate in different ways. So we find consortiums and commissions for for composers that we want to work with and promote, and have them help us get repertoire, but also help them in their career. So, for example, we've had a couple of students from BGSU that we've asked to write pieces mm-hmm. before. Uh, we, we got our hooks in them first so we could get it and then help them get published and right. jumpstart their careers. So mm-hmm. so Ben Taylor was like that Corey Broddick. We just got yeah. a piece from Corey. Right. And then we helped them get picked up with publishers, and we just got, you know, a consortium with with Jamie so mm-hmm. and in fact uh, Andrew did a piece for us at the Detroit Symphony mm, so okay. I mean yeah. it's just kind of a long tradition of that yeah. and then and then connecting the performers to those composers because every performer that's training at a university it, it, especially at the big schools is sitting in classes with composers mm-hmm. those composers as I work through that process I say listen you know some somebody at Bowling Green State was in class with Jen Higdon and never asked Jen to write something <laughs> for their instrument. And boy, I bet they're kicking themselves now. Yeah. So, so we talk about this process of, you know, here's some young composers, but you go to school with composers, be friends with them, help mm-hmm. them learn your instrument, yeah. have them write for you. Mm-hmm. So that's a long answer, but you know, it's, it's not just financial, I guess, is my yeah. best answer. It's not just about the money. It's about, you know, getting people to have an awareness of, of what possibilities are. Yeah, creating the relationships yeah. early on and then cultivating those relationships throughout time. Indeed. Uh, what What's on your stand right now? What are, you, so, what are you doing? So I had to make a list because I conduct so many different groups. Right. And, yeah. and it's tricky. So what, what are all the groups you conduct? So I conduct uh, at the Detroit Symphony. I conduct the Detroit Symphony Youth Wind Ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I conduct the Detroit Symphony Civic Philharmonic Orchestra. And I just finished a run of Nutcracker Ballet with the Detroit Symphony Youth Orchestra. And then at Bowling Green State, I conduct the Wind Symphony, I conduct the Symphonic Band, um, and then I just do a ton of, of guest conducting, like yeah. all state groups and things mm-hmm. like that. So, so on my stand right now, I just made like a quick list just to kind of go through so I wouldn't have to hesitate over it. So I've got like the Dvorak um, Czech Suite, the Opus 39, mm-hmm. I've got Eric Asfano's uh, Steampunk Suite, 
I've got a piece by Han Lash called In Pieces and the Alban Berg Chamber Concerto. So, so a lot of stuff. Is that Han Lash piece? Is that is that pretty new? Yeah, it's just we just premiered it this fall. Oh, I was part right. of a consortium. I think maybe about a dozen schools. Okay, it's spectacular. Yeah, it's forty minutes. It's hard. Um, Dang. Okay. And it's you know it it it's a piece that is paced. The architecture of the piece is so good. Mm -hmm. Like after you, I, it's one of the few pieces that I initially didn't care for, mm -hmm. but then as I really learned the architecture, I really appreciated it a lot. So I don't necessarily think that as on a first listen for an audience, it's not an easy listen at times, mm -hmm. but it's paced really well. So it was great. Yeah. 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 They have a, they have a piece with, um, uh, the, for the load bang ensemble. Oh, yeah. Um, the New York group, it's like a uh, voice, bass, clarinet, trumpet, and trombone, and electronics, I think, and that, that it was kind of the same way. Like, it was it was a kind of piece that I developed an appreciation for over time. Right. First listen, I was like, eh, all right, and then it kept listening, oh, 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 okay. Yeah. You know, there's some good stuff there, so. Well, Ken, thanks for sitting down with us, you know, sharing some insight and telling us what you're working on. Uh, How's uh, how's Midwest going for you so far? It's great, it's great. Right. And again, I got to get this on the podcast. But my lasting memory of you <laughs> is premiering. Uh, oh God, what was the name of the work? It was, it was uh, called uh, Rounds. Was that it? Well, that was one of the movements, I think. Right. Um, what was it? Fredrischewski piece. I'm sure there's a way to look this yeah, up. Yeah, and 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 you played a beer keg. A beer keg. Yep. Was, this is great, right. great yep. times. Yep. Hey, well, thanks a lot. It's good talking thanks, with Ken. you. Yeah, cheers. All right, we're here with Quinn Mason, composer. Uh, great to see you, and thanks for stopping by this Midwest. We're talking to all the composers here and just asking, like, you know, what drives your creativity? What's the thing that makes you want to put pencil to paper? It's, for me, it's the opportunity to be able to have a, a new story to tell mm. to what could be a completely new audience. I mean, every time I uh, go to write a new piece, I'm thinking about the sound world I'm going to create. Yeah. And the... Um, the, the, the potential of the story I'm going to create and the reaching power that I have to, you know, it, for me, you know, mostly music making is soul to soul. Mm -hmm. And that's the approach I have whenever I um, write music. It's to connect with the audience I'm presenting to and to hopefully, you know, make the piece speak to them in, deep, in, in a deep way. Yeah, I imagine also like connecting to the players you're you're writing for. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, big part of it. Yeah. So what are you writing right now? Several things. Um, I'm working on my symphony number five. That's going to be Dang. for the. I'm already at the five. <laughs> oh my god! So I think I'll have to skip number nine. So you know. That's that's a that's a problematic number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on number five right now. That's going to be for the Harmonia Orchestra in Seattle. Okay. Uh, community orchestra in Seattle that I have a very great relationship with. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing a piece for the National Symphony Orchestra, and awesome. on that same concert, I'm also going to conduct the National Symphony Orchestra. And just confirmed a project. Um, apparently, I'm going to be writing music for a PBS documentary. Whoa! What's the documentary about? It's interesting. Can you talk about it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Interestingly right. enough, it's uh, called Shame of Chicago. Okay. I say that because I just like I got that the moment I landed in Chicago, I yeah. got that email. 
but it's about the uh, the history of segregation in Chicago. Okay. So yeah. that's why it says shame of Chicago. Sure. And that's going to be for uh, it's going to air on PBS in October and November of twenty three. Is that your first like uh, film or, or video project you've ever done? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that's going to be interesting. Like to like venture into that it's going to be a whole new approach yeah so it's going to take some getting used to totally uh where can people uh listen to your other pieces uh where can they find you online see like listen or find scores or anything like that sure i mean everything is on my website uh, masonianmusic.com and everything is separated by category and on every single page you'll find a score a perusal score and hopefully a good recording um <laughs> say hopefully it's always yeah. a crapshoot getting a good recording but yeah everything's there and uh yeah and you can get in contact with me there awesome thanks for doing this quinn thanks for having me all right all right so we're back at midwest i'm sitting with ava worth of the blank experiment so uh, the things we're asking performers uh, right now is um, what kinds of things do you do you do to you know build solidify maintain uh, relationships with uh, composers the composers that you perform yeah so I mean uh, in music your friends are the ones who give you opportunities so if you want to play music by someone be friends with them you know yeah. go out talk have a good time you know offer to play their music see what they're doing um, and you know it's going to build a lasting relationship. Uh, right now I just had uh, Michael Goodman, uh, he's worked with some people at the Blank Experiment, he and I have had some good conversations and he just gave me an autographed copy of the score that he wrote for me. I saw that on uh, Instagram I think, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So is, is that just a like oboe solo? or yes. Yeah, yeah oboe okay. solo. Awesome. Yeah, it's called uh, Panic, and it's about like a panic attack. So he puts some multiphonics in it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some freedom for the performer to like pick what notes they want to play in, kind of like um, like faster moving notes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And uh, there's some very beautiful lines in it. Awesome. I mean, the blank experiment. You guys are doing a lot right now. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I see you guys doing stuff on you know on Instagram and Facebook all the time. Like, uh, how did that how did that ensemble form? And like, where do you see you guys kind of going in the future? Yeah, so I mean, it's the same thing we form from friendships. Um, yeah. Drew and Michelle are saxophonists and clarinetists. We're friends in high school. And then I went to undergrad with Drew, and we were friends working together. And so when they wanted to add another person to the ensemble, they asked me. Um, Maya and Drew became friends when uh, Drew was at uh, University of Michigan, and Maya was there for her undergrad. And then Danielle, our harpist, um, we found her through a mutual friend who connected uh, Drew and her through Twitter. And you're all you're all Bowling Green grads, is that right? No, just Drew no. and I. Yeah. Just Drew and I. Okay. And was that a master's? No, that was our undergrad. That was your undergrad. Okay. Okay. Putting all the pieces together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Like. So, other than the um, the new oboe solo, mm -hmm. uh, what else is on your stand? What do you what do you have coming up? What are you performing? Yeah, so um, I am uh, right now. I love to like look back at like uh, I, I mean I'm in new music, but I love playing older music too, like yeah. some of the crazy stuff. And so I've wanted to be playing the Do to You oboe sonata for like ever, and I oh, finally okay. bought the music. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So get into Do to You. All right, that's great. Um, what what is like the next blank experiment thing you guys have? Yeah, so we we talk about doing um, solo recitals. So each of us are like putting together works for that, and okay. you know we're here talking to 
to schools who might want to have us come out and work with their students. We've got a school that we're talking to right now about what we might be doing in the 2023-24 academic okay. year. No names to be released yet. <laughs> Can't talk about it. Secret. Not Lock yet. it down. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, where can where can people where can people go and find like recordings of your performances? videos, recordings, whatever. Yeah, so we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, we've got an album that's on Spotify. If you look up off, look us up on YouTube, we have tons of recordings from uh, the past two years, and we just recorded again on Sunday, so there'll be some more videos to be released soon. Awesome. Now, here's, in particular with you guys, like, how do you search for your name? How do we search for because her name? Because it's yes. literally a blank. It's not like the word blank. It's literally a blank. So how do you search for your name? Yeah, so you have to use five underscores. Uh, we were actually <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday because I say when I type it out, I you know hit shift and then the underscore and I go one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> but other people, they spell out blank because it is okay. the same number of yeah. letters. Yeah, all right. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Ava, thanks so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we're here at Midwest. Michael Goodman, composer. Um, we're asking all the composers at Midwest that we talk to, you know, what is it that drives your creativity? What is it that makes you want to put pencil to paper or mouse to notation software or whatever? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Well, it's, um, it's great to be here, obviously, because it's my second Midwest and mm -hmm. still trying to get used to it. but. Um, for me, it's more of a personal connection because um, when I, well, first I'm I'm technically a neurodivergent, and mm -hmm. so as such, there are certain things that I'm not capable of doing, like some other people are able to do. Uh huh. And so, with composing, I treat it as like an extension of my communication. Okay. So like I, I use it as a way to speak out, as a way to address certain things, but for me, I based on my experiences as who I am, I my music is basically like a storytelling mechanism. So a lot of my music is based off of like certain things that I've gone through or I've experienced. Like for example, I recently wrote a piece called uh, Panic Attack for uh, an oboist that's part of the blank experiment. Oh, we, yeah, we just talked to her. <laughs> Ava was just here and she yeah. mentioned it. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, yeah, that was fun. But like at that, for that piece, for example, I have had panic attacks in the past mm -hmm. and not to try to re re you know I'm not trying to get a panic attack from it sure. but just the whole experience of having it but I think what's interesting is that everyone has different experiences and that's kind of I'm just trying to represent like what I've been through especially as a neurodivergent mm -hmm. but I try to reach out to as many people as I can yeah awesome so uh, that's a brand new piece uh, mm -hmm. What what else have you uh, recently done, or, or what's on the horizon for you? Well, um, so besides Panic Attack, I also finished um, since the last Midwest. I was on. I had a band bug where uh -huh. I wrote four straight band pieces. Oh so, my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I had a grade one back to work, as in back the number two work. Mm -hmm. Had that premiered from a, a friend of mine um, at a middle school. I. A grade two piece called What a Beautiful Day. Two, I think, yeah, it's one grade three onward, which that's done. I just, I'm actually submitting it for a competition, but mm -hmm. that's to be determined. And then 
I, the other one was supposed to be a grade three, but I had a number of people say, no, this is more a grade four. I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. It's well, just <laughs> I don't know, man. You, you got so far, you got one of each. Now you just need a five and a six. Well, I mean, actually I have two grade fours because I wrote another one back in 2019, but that was for a call for scores okay. with Tux People's Music, which that's the only piece I have published through them. Uh-huh. But yeah, I need a five and six, but you know, but as far as the, on the horizon, I'm currently working on a piece for uh, E-flat, tuba, solo, and brass band. Okay. It's for a uh, competition that is um, the International Tuba Euphodium Conference. It's the first time this year that they are actually promoting these two composition competitions, one of which is the British brass band style with soloists. And that's not due till March 1st, and I've played in brass bands for a very long time, and, you know, it's something I've been curious to do for a while. Is that your, uh, are you low brass or high brass, or what's your instrument? I'm a euphonium player. Okay, But awesome. I, What's funny, though, is I just started playing in the Capital City Brass Band, which is in Lansing, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I've played euphonium and baritone horn for a while, but when I came back, they needed an E-flat tuba spot. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I dabbed around with E-flat tuba. Yeah. Uh, not E-flat, but just tuba, period, because my dad plays tuba. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's different, but it's not <laughs> as different as I thought it was going to be. So I, I'm content with it. Awesome. Well, uh, where can people go online to you know find recordings or, or videos of your music? Sure. So um, I have a website. It's called uh, michaelgoodmanmusic.com. Um, my publishing name is currently Unanimous Productions. So when you get on the website, you'll see like the neon blue and pink. Um, which again, it's, I'm kind of doing a bit of a plug for Blank Experiment because that was the logo was made through Michelle Kuzik. Yeah. And um, if you if you're looking for like headshots or logos, highly recommend it. Oh, I was I, I was looking through her stuff the other day, and it's phenomenal. Like she, I think she does great work. And I I was just talking to Drew, and you know said they're wow, they're marketing and, yeah. and design and branding. Oh my gosh, it's top notch. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but so she did your website as well. No, I did that myself. But okay. the color palette was um, so originally I just had a neutral colored blue, mm-hmm. and then when I talked with her through consultation, she um, gave me the idea of the palette. So then I was like, okay, so now it's this neon blue, neon pink. Um, actually, I could give you the business card just to show you what it looks like. But anyway. Um, I had to change the entire website to that color yeah. and that font because it would look very awkward if I had um, something that was not matching it, like a brown. Yeah. So that's what it looks like right there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, but. Cool, man. Yeah, but if you go to michaelgoodmanmusic.com, I have all my music on there. There's also, if you go on, when you click on a page, each one, or at least most of them, have a perusal score that's through ISU and a SoundCloud link. Mm-hmm. It also has a description of um, what type of uh, difficulty it is, the duration, program notes, performance notes if needed. So, and I'm, you know, I'm open for commissions too. So, I mean, awesome. there's all that. Awesome, Michael, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, uh, thanks for having me. Oh my God, Ryan, y'all, blast from the past. Holy crap, man. It's so good to see you. It's great to see you too, Rob. So it's been way too long. Way too long. Ryan and I were at Bowling Green together doing our undergrads. You were, when did you graduate? 2006? I finished my undergrad in 2006. 2006. And so, we went back from my master's in 2007 and graduated in 2009. Right. Yeah. Be- you started the master's in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I remember that. Like when we were there, even though we were only one year apart, uh, because I graduated in 2007, um, you always had, you always felt like so much older to me, you know. And maybe it was because like you started your master, like you were a master student when I was still an undergrad. Maybe that's what contributed to it. Also, I mean, you're just a very professional person. Let's Try be to honest, be. right? <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, where are you teaching now? I'm currently the assistant director of bands at Texas A&M University Commerce in Commerce, Texas. Awesome, awesome. So, um, one thing we're asking, um, you know, conductors, performers here are like, what are the things that, what are the things you do to help, um, you know, solidify relationships with composers, you know, and also like trans transfer that to your students, to your performance students. One thing I try to do to solidify relationships with composers is to either get in contact over email or uh, social media with Facebook mm -hmm. uh, Twitter the like um, and if I can meet them at places like Midwest TMEA or whatever music conferences uh, might be available and then if I should happen to program one of their pieces um, either contact them along the way to let them know that I'm doing their piece and then what tips they might have mm -hmm. would it be possible that we could do a Zoom session or a FaceTime yeah. and actually have them, if we can't have them in person, have them on the screen in rehearsal right? Yeah. so that we can do something interactive and the students get to work with a live living composer as to, yeah. opposed to the dead ones. The dead ones. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard to work with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, what's, uh, you know, what, what's on your stand right now? What are you guys performing at the moment? Or what are you, I mean, you know, it's the semester's done. We're yeah. looking ahead to spring. So what are you guys looking at uh, doing with your ensemble? Well, looking at doing, um, I, I try to, as best I can to balance the old and the new. Mm -hmm. So we'll do some stuff by living composers, but we'll also do some staples of the repertoire. So the staple for my next concert cycle is the Clifton Williams Symphonic Dance Number no. 3 Fiesta. Okay. Yep. Um, but also looking at programming a piece by Kataj Copley. Okay, yeah, Ayo. I don't know who that is. Um, it's uh, a piece that's having its premiere here at Midwest. Uh, he calls it a Rhapsody for Band. Okay. Um, but it's something that um, I currently conduct the third band where I am mm -hmm. and would be accessible by an advanced high school band or by um, a university band of that caliber. Yeah, awesome. And then I'm also doing a Sousa March. Uh, called March of the Mitten Men, which was written in 1923, so because of the 100th anniversary mm -hmm. of the publication, just kind of fitting that in. Right. Um, the trio is based on Onward Christian Soldiers. Okay, yep. So it's got a hymn as part of the melody, and it, at one point the percussion completely stops playing, which how, is how atypical of a Susan How March. I know, right? <laughs> but it, because of that unique nature, and it's not you know, one of the standard Susan Marches that you hear all the time. Right. Something just a little bit more abstract. Uh, for that purpose, again, yeah. programming it with my ensemble. Now, I have to, I have to ask: Were you involved in uh, Dave Pascarella's uh, recital prep? Were you there? Were you part of that? I was there at the time of his recital, but I wasn't involved in the prep. Okay, I was just wondering because you know, there's there's that particular story about how we broke the brand new Steinway. Yeah. While we were setting up for his recital. I remember that. <laughs> But I was not part of those shenanigans. I was I was part of it. I wasn't in the room when it broke, but I I, I will never forget that sound. So anyway, man, it's yeah. so good to see you. It's good to see you too, Robin. You know, like best of luck down there. Sounds like you know you're doing some cool stuff with the bands, and uh, yeah. 
and super proud of you with your career and composition and working at OU and now on the tenure track super proud of your accomplishments so congratulations all right thanks for doing this Ryan absolutely all right All right, we're back in Midwest. We're sitting with Janet Song Kim, um, who is at the University of Connecticut and a director of wind bands. Awesome, great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So we're asking all the, uh, you know, the conductors, directors that we're talking to, um, what, are the, what are the things you do um, to develop, maintain, cultivate, uh, relationships with composers that you know your groups might be uh, performing their music. I mean, generally, just form really good human relationships, right? I just think be that, a person. Right? Yeah, just be a person, like, and make friendships with them. I mean, I think that the, at the end of the day, like, of course, you have to believe in the music that they're playing and like, ha- like, have some integrity behind your choices with that. But like, I think that you just have to get along with them as a person too yeah. if you want to have a relationship with anybody that's just kind of how it goes absolutely right? yeah so um what what kinds of things have uh, have you been doing like what kinds of pieces have you been performing with your group so recently we uh created a concert series that lasts the whole year and it includes four concerts the entire concert series is actually called american dream And this came about because I um, applied for a JEDI grant at the University of Connecticut, which which stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion. And so the entire concert series is called American Dream because it touches upon different uh, issues in American society today. Mm -hmm. The first concert was about American exceptionalism, wherein we started with a piece by Morton Gold called Fan for Freedom. Then we moved on to um, play... uh, Magnetic Fireflies by Augusta Reed Thomas. We played Summerland by William Grant Still. And then we ended with um, Variations on America by Charles Ives. Mm-hmm. And all of this kind of depicts this like beautiful idyllic version of the United States and mm-hmm. kind of emphasizes the idea of American exceptionalism. Then the second concert we just did was called Our Right to Bear, which juxtaposes the concept of our right to bear children with the right to bear arms in this country and how those things are kind of at war with one another yeah, in this country. Absolutely. Um, we performed a wonderful piece by Catherine Bostick called P- Portrait of a Peaceful Warrior. Um, and that uh, was a brass ensemble piece. We also did Give Us This Day by David Maslenka. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're moving on next semester to do the third concert, which is called Black History, which obviously you know, celebrates the contributions that black folk have given to the United States, but also kind of empathizes and you know, highlights the fact that they did have to struggle in order for us to receive the fruits of their labor. Um, much of the country was built on the backs of black folk and I wanted to emphasize that and but then at the end of the concert we we're performing this new piece um, hasn't been performed much by Nicole Noel um, which is a duo uh, brother and sister I believe um, if not like actually at least metaphorically and it's a piece called Kronos which is about life and death and the cycle of it and like everything that happens in between and like sort of the joy of all of that that exists in all of that then our last concert is called move along uh, which is about immigration and we are looking to perform pieces by valerie coleman Ro- uh, roma there is another composer named nebal Masoud, um, who created this piece called on the mountains of orphalis which is based on like this story about um, 
traveling into the mountains and it's this like old fable that he based it off of about like kind of like really reaching for what it is that you need from this life and I think that's a lot of what causes immigration to happen so that's kind of like the pieces and like the way that I program the year and wow. what I'm doing so wow that's yeah. that's incredible I mean that <clears throat> first of all that sounds awesome yeah and, and then it all comes back together it's the American yeah, dream exactly <laughs> um how long like to, to plan something that is like as intricate as you know this entire concert series yeah how long did that take to to find all the pieces to develop the idea so it's kind of funny like programming is always on my mind uh -huh. um, I always think I'm like oh this would be a cool programming concept and I see a piece and I'm like oh this would work really well yeah. in this kind of program or this would pair well with this piece I'm just kind of it's always going yeah and so um, I love rep that's like I'm something uh -huh. I'm a big nerd about it and I think that it's something that just is constantly going in my head I guess okay. but for this particular project what ended up happening is that I got the job um, in April I was offered the job in uh, early May and as soon as I was offered the job, I thought to myself, this is going to be a completely different group than the one that I have right now. I need to program differently. Um, there's also not a lot of room in the budget for me to get yeah. stuff. So I, in order to accommodate this grant that I applied for, I created this program. Um, and it's not just just for the money. It's also sure. because these are concerts that I've thought about for a long time and I've yeah. wanted to program. And um, I think that these are things that we've all grappled with, especially like front, like face to face with through COVID. Absolutely. And yeah. I think we're kind of coming out of COVID now and to kind of just reflect on that for the past two years and the things that we've been like, that have been shoved in our face as we were stuck in our homes, like yeah. I thought would be really um, relevant. Yeah, so. that sounds awesome. Yeah, I th I, thank the, you. Yeah, I wish I could see all these. Um, <clears throat> Can I tell you another cool part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So for the last concert, the migration concert, we have some members of the Coast Guard band joining us, oh, which okay. is very kind of ironic yeah. because the Coast Guard group is actually, um, you know what they do. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know. <laughs> registered. But they also, one thing that we don't, we I think we like to vilify them for a lot of the things that they do with immigrants, but also I think what we fail to recognize and kind of publicize is how much they help refugees mm -hmm. and how many of the immigrants in the United States are refugees and come from, and many people who are families of immigrant families come from refugee families. So we're doing that. And then we're also um, working with the digital media and design team at UConn to create the software design thing where when the audience members walk into the hall, they were stopped by someone and they say, where are you from? Where is your family from? And then they t input it into a computer, mm -hmm. into a database. Everyone goes into the audience and for the last piece of the concert, which is a surprise, <laughs> um, no one knows what the piece is yet, except for my students. Um, when this, when they walk into the concert hall, the camera, uh, there, there's gonna be a backdrop that projects sort of images from all over the world of the people in the audience, of where their families are from and where they're from. And there's a globe that ends up showing up and red lines on the globe pointing from where everyone is, pointing back to Stores, Connecticut. Yeah. And in which case there's a camera, a, a hidden camera that turns around and faces the audience. And the audience's faces are on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it's like everyone from around the world has now showed up here. And we're here together because of the, the concept of the American dream. Mm -hmm. And while the American dream has ruined so many things, it has all brought us here together yes. to enjoy this music. Together. Yeah. 
That's so, so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, do you have um, do you have like performance uh, videos or recordings out there where someone could uh, go and listen, you know, to your band? Yeah. Um, so I'm currently I'm holding on to them right now, but I will be publishing them on YouTube at some point on behalf of the university, or I think the actual university is going to do it. But the reason it's not out yet is because we are applying for certain conferences and we just mm, we're using those yeah. recordings and we don't want to necessarily leak them out yet until yep. after we've heard from those conferences. Sure. Yeah. And would that just be like on the uh, UConn like YouTube or would so that be a website or? I think it's actually going to be on our website, like our okay. school, school of Music website. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great to great to talk with you and yeah, sit down and for sure. yeah, hear I about this awesome project. Yeah. Like, uh, Matthew actually wanted me to talk a little bit about And We Were Heard. If you guys, I'm sure. also a representative for And We Were Heard. Okay, um, yeah. So I wasn't sure if that's something that you wanted to delve into right now. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so do you have any questions about that? Do you know what And We Were Heard is? Uh, it's, I'm going to embarrass myself. No, but, please don't be um, embarrassed. It's okay. I think... Isn't it a, it's a space for, um, well, obviously it's a booth here at Midwest. Yes, correct. And is it a collective? It doesn't seem like it's a collective. No, it seems it's like not it's a open. collective. It is open. It's, a, it's open. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a space for uh, traditionally marginalized uh, people in terms of gender or race yeah. or sexuality mm -hmm. to come and present, you know, have a space at Midwest or something like that? Yeah. So it's How close not just, was I? Um, <laughs> you are like, it's not that you're, you were close or not close. You were right. But okay. that's like 2% of the work. That's that we 2%. Do. So tell, tell me the other 98. Okay. So, and we were heard. The title itself comes from the concept that what like it, it just comes from the question what do you want to see when you go to a composer's website to buy their music and what do you want to like before you purchase their music what do you want mm -hmm. what do i want to see of theirs before yeah i kind of want to see like obviously i want to i want to see the music you know yeah. I, and i you need to hear it you want to hear you it you want to hear it you know and but the thing is if they're a historically marginalized composer that's young and hasn't had access to anyone any publicity or anything yeah. they're not going to be able to be heard on yep. their website they're just going to have the music there and most often than not when you go on to jw pepper or anything the thing that's really enticing about it is that there's a setup where you get to hear every single piece and so what we do is we have this open forum where people can submit their own pieces and we pair them with different ensembles around the country that are willing to take the time to learn a piece and record it, whether that be two or three days or actually put it on a concert cycle. Yeah. That's what happens. So the process goes as such. We have forms on the website. People up upload um, their application with their scores. And then there's another form for directors and ensembles to submit a recording of their ensemble, a best, you know, just to show we're capable of doing this. And the once we receive the scores, they go through a vetting process between six different conductors from around the country who look at scores often. Mm -hmm. And we put a grade level on it. Is it grade three, grade four, grade five? And then we also look at whether or not it's idiomatic or if it goes out of range and if it's, in a, if it's not appropriately written for a grade two band or something <laughs> like that. We give that feedback back to the composer and the composer then sends that score back to us and then we delegate these scores out to different ensembles 
and the like every time I connect some a composer to an ensemble, I'll send three or four scores that I think are appropriate based on the recording they've sent me. I'll listen to a recording, I'll be like, okay, how much time do you have to record this? And they say, oh, we just have a rehearsal and, uh, and yeah. then we're gonna record it. And I'll say, okay, so I think I'm gonna give you a grade two because what you're playing is like a grade four. And if you have one rehearsal and we want a really good recording, we'll send you a grade two, yeah. make it sound really good, mm -hmm. and send it back to us. And then we also have an engineer in-house who mixes everything and sets all of that up for us. Wow. And so we provide this service to young composers and, and who are part of historically marginalized groups that don't have access to be heard. So that's why super the title important. is And We Were Heard. Yeah, super important. That's great. I love the aspect of mentorship as well. You know, like... Uh, there, there's that, uh, you know, looking at the score and seeing, oh, well, this is out of range for the, you know, oboe, or this isn't, you know, this isn't appropriate for this grade level that you're trying to get at. Yeah. That's super important, you know, because obviously, especially for large ensemble works, young composers, there just aren't that many opportunities to actually put it in front of a, you know, real human beings as opposed to just hear it from your you know finale playback or yeah whatever. for sure so and that's so so important so good yeah, yeah and i think it's great that we get to as composers and conductors meet each other through this medium yeah. you know and we get to see like who's interested in the wind band world who's interested in the orchestra we get to see them come up we get to hear their pieces um their midi files and let them yeah. know like how they can make it better and i it's just a really great overall you know like turnaround we give to them they give to us awesome yeah and i think that's how the and this goes back to your first question yeah that's the relationship between a composer and conductor i think we give to each other mm -hmm. i don't i don't know if there's really i think there's taking obviously but there's a lot of giving <laughs> yeah, in, in this absolutely. yeah so, cool yeah well thank you so much for sitting down with me and you know telling me about what you're doing and also what and we were heard is absolutely. doing fantastic great to meet you yeah great to meet you too thank you so much All right, we're back at Midwest now. Uh, Kincaid. Yes, that's Nice me. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah, so King, uh, did you just pronounce your last name Rob? Rab. Rab? Rab. Awesome. All right, so you're a composer. You're here at Midwest. And we're asking you. all the composers, what uh, what drives your creativity? Like, what's the what's the thing that makes you want to put pencil to paper? Um, for me, it's storytelling. Mm. Um, I'm, uh, I, I made a lot of my scholarship. Uh, while I was in school, um, uh, about how how does storytelling work, and how do how can we as composers incorporate it into our works? Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, so like uh, whether it be from like derived from my own personal experience or a uh, or a fami or familiar tropes mm -hmm. um, from a genre or um, or any other like or, or or any other story um when i hear some it, it's 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 always like just this weird one little detail that i'm like oh that's a piece of music right yeah so that's that's what that's where my that's where that creative spark comes from for do you me. find yourself often like you know finding stuff from the outside world and like like you say like oh that's a piece of music you know like kind of um i, I don't know for instance like with me, I get inspired a lot by like nature and, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, well, that the the 
behavior of this one butterfly, that's a piece of music. Well, um, in, in order to uh, be inspired by nature, I would have to go outside. Oh, okay. But, um, <laughs> uh, but that's not a thing we do anymore. So, um, uh, no, it's usually like um, right now a lot of what I'm doing is um, uh, healing from past trauma mm, and okay. using music as a... Um, like therapy, yeah. Using uh, using it as like a um, a conduit through mm. which I can process things, um, and which is something that I unlocked uh, not in school, um, but <laughs> not at all in school. Um, but something that I unlocked very recently, um, just being able to do myself, and that was that was very uh, profound. But it has been nature. It has been pop culture mm -hmm. um I, i'm uh, the way that i um studied storytelling in grad school was actually through the lens of theme park design okay um and so i um and so i'm so like it'll be like i rode this roller coaster once i want to write a band piece about it and then i did okay um or it'll be uh i had this um or it'll be i just recovered a memory uh about this particularly traumatic incident, I'm going to write a mu write some music about it, one so I don't forget it again, and two so I uh, process mm -hmm. whatever what whatever uh, made me um, suppress it in the first place. Got it. What are you working on right now? Um, I'm working on uh, a few pieces. I'm wor I, I started a grade two a grade two band piece yesterday, okay. just out of nowhere, just because. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, I mean, I you're at someone. a great place to start one. I met someone you know? who was like, "Hey, have you ever tried this?" And I was like, "No," because in in music school they don't teach you to write. They they don't teach you like how bands and orchestras right. are taught yep. um, uh, as a composer. They don't, that's not part of what we're taught. Um, and so I, I, we, we don't know how to write different grade levels. We're just told to write. We're just told to write. Yeah. And like, write what you want. And then it's all like professional level stuff and mm -hmm. it's just not um, accessible right. um, yeah. uh, in terms of skill level. And so I very much... Um, uh, so, I, so I started a grade two band piece yesterday. Okay. Um, uh, I'm also working on uh, finishing up a duo for baritone saxophone and harp. Uh, oh, awesome! Yeah, um, fabulous ensemble. Um, finishing up a du uh, finishing up a clarinet quartet, um, a set of short solos for solo oboe, mm -hmm. um, and a string quartet. Wow, you're busy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, where can people uh, like go online and find your, you know, other older pieces, more of your music, uh, uh, find scores, can, stuff like that? Yeah, people can find uh, find me at uh, uh, com. That's K-I-N-C-A-I-D-R-A-B-B.com. Uh, they can also find me on most social medias. Um, uh, definitely Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and SoundCloud. Okay. Uh, at uh, K-I-N-C-A-I-D underscore R-A-B-B. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, Kincaid. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. We've got Drew Hostler, also from The Blank Experiment. Well, uh, eventually, we get all five of you. You know, we're kind of a collect, collect them all um, moment right now. Uh, there, there are only three of you here, right? Yes. Or four? Yeah, no, there's just three of us. Myself, Ava, the oboe player, and Michelle, the clarinetist. Yeah. So um, we're asking all the performers that are here 
what are the things that you do to kind of you know solidify relationship with uh, relationships with composers you know and kind of like make a make long longer term collaborations well the big thing for me when i graduated undergrad i really took a step back and tried to think about what it is in music that i enjoy mm -hmm. why do i want to do what i want to do right i knew i liked to do music but i didn't really know why and after sitting back and thinking about it, I really realized that it is the relationships that I build with people. And new music is all about people and what's happening today. And yeah. I absolutely love that. It's the music of today. It's the music of today's people. And I'm able to meet so many awesome people through new music. Mm -hmm. I feel like not only through conferences like Midwest, where there's a composer everywhere you look, but <laughs> the power of social media and being able to yeah. see people all over the world just you know every single day yeah something that i've always really enjoyed doing with the blank experiment is we do a lot of virtual concerts right we are based all around the country so we have a lot of concerts where we pre-record things and we just hop on zoom to talk and kind of interact with the chat and i mean our last one we had a composer from japan who was tuning in and that would never happen for something yeah. in person it's so incredible that we're able to make kind of this global network of these awesome composers and great friends of ours mm -hmm. and i don't know that's what that's what gets me going that's what i love about the blank experiment what i love about performing new music and what gets me out of bed i mean i have to say that i've been so impressed you know not only by the quality of your performances the fact that you are <coughs> sorry um working with you know uh living composers doing new music but also your marketing and your does the design of everything you guys do is phenomenal okay we really appreciate that <laughs> like the branding and marketing is Freaking top notch! I love it. And I was—it's uh, your um, the clarinetist who does all that, right, Michelle? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I was uh, with the blank experiment—it's a weird instrumentation, right? Saxophone, yeah. oboe, clarinet, bassoon, and harp. It's a reed quintet minus bass clarinet, but we add a harp. We did not pick the instrumentation. As one does. <laughs> we didn't you pick know? the instrumentation because it makes sense, or even because yeah. we we're seeking that instrumentation. We picked this instrumentation because of the people. Yeah. We, I met Maya at the University of Michigan and I literally left our first rehearsal and I was like, well, I'm going to get her to join our group. She's awesome. Yeah. I knew Danielle through Twitter and I was like, I'm going to reach out to Danielle and we are going to get her to be a part of this group. Yeah. And all of us bring things to the table that aren't just playing our instrument. Michelle, who owns a Michelle Design LLC, that's Michelle with a Y instead of an I, uh, she does a lot of marketing and branding for different companies, but she does all of our marketing, branding, and creates all of our various things, and she does a phenomenal job with it. Also, yeah. if you look at any of our headshots, I believe all of us use her headshots for yeah. our pictures, and she just does awesome work. She has it, It's super unique, and I feel like looking through other people's headshots, it's not the typical against a beige background yeah. <laughs> that so many people have. Mm -hmm. um, or... Like, if you look at uh, Ava, who does all of our finances, if you look at Maya, who's kind of our grant writer, uh, Danielle does a lot of our social media stuff, and then I'm the person who does the programming as the artistic director. Mm -hmm. So 
we all bring things to the table that allow us to do what we do in-house, which yeah. is great. We don't need to go to external companies to do our branding and our marketing. We have incredible people who are part of the group. And that just really speaks to being, you know, more of a, the, I think, you know, a lot of schools have flocked to the, to the buzzword of being the 21st century mu musician or whatever. Oh, but, yes. But you guys are like, where school's like, oh, well, how can we fulfill this, uh, you know, this mandate? But you guys are living proof of here's what it takes. This is how you do it. And uh, yeah, I, re I just really applaud you guys right now. I well, mean, everything looks good. It sounds good. You know. Thank you so much. I yeah. really appreciate that. Like we a, a lot of what we have been doing recently and what uh, a lot of our future plans that are still in the works and yeah. like, secret are um, doing some different uh, residencies and outreaches to different universities. And when we're there, we not only like to work with the composition studios or work with our individual like instrument studios, but we also like to talk music business. We like to yeah. talk entrepreneurship because you can be the greatest saxophonist in the world, but if you aren't able to market yourself or brand yourself, no one's going to know you. Yeah, exactly. Marketing and branding and being an advocate for yourself and your fan base, your friends, your colleagues is so so important like yeah. we have this batch of composers that we work with a lot and they vouch for us we vouch for them and it's really just this mutually beneficial thing that we absolutely love absolutely so what's um what do you guys have on uh com coming up like what's on your music stand what are you excited about performing uh in the near future let's see for so i'll first talk uh myself like because i also do some solo things yep. what i'm working on right this second a work by aaron lett for tenor saxophone and piano i'm going to be going to bowling green through um some funding through the mid-american center for contemporary music and we're going to be doing a recording project with his work uh with pianist stephen naylor so that will be coming out here shortly they're all bowling green people okay he's a he's also a great composer steven is yeah the name sounds so familiar right now so Can't that's what's, it, but okay. that's what's coming up immediately in the slightly farther future i'm working with the cleveland repertory orchestra on a new mm -hmm. tenor saxophone concerto to be written by composer griffin candy yep uh, okay. nice tenor saxophone full orchestra 15 minute monstrosity that's gonna be <laughs> awesome it's gonna be all about um pollution and birds in lake erie it's called double aviaries that'll become it will be premiering that in november okay uh in terms of the blank experiment stuff we actually uh did while here in midwest we did a little we rented out studio space and did like a little virtual uh recital recording project with the three of us that were here uh we will have a couple pieces coming out as a part of that including some stuff that we've played in the past but we have don't have any recordings on youtube of sure and we're just working with so many different composers just in doing here the thing. i, I We've had such great reception here of so many awesome composers coming up to us and wanting to work with us. And it just, I, I could not do what I do if it weren't for composers. Like, you guys are the ones that do the do the heavy lifting. And well, we are, <laughs> I mean, we are just it's so kind happy. of a reciprocal relationship. <laughs> I mean, yes, we put the dots on the page, but you make the dots sound good. We so. are the ones that press buttons and blow That's air right. through a metal tube. <laughs> that is the saxophone in a nutshell. 
but no, we've just had such great reception here, and I'm just so excited to go go home, check my emails, and keep all of these relationships grow- growing. Awesome. Well, where can people find uh, your recordings and like your videos and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so if you want to see anything about me, you can find it at andrewhostler.com. Uh, there I have my bio, I have uh, some different videos, I have a not really up-to-date commission and premiere list that I do need to update, uh, along with some information on my upcoming CD. I have a CD coming out here, hopefully in a couple of months, called Delta Waves that'll have 13 new works for tenor saxophone, all works awesome. written within the 21st century, all premiere recordings. Uh, if you want to check out The Blank Experiment, you can go to theblankexperiment.com. There you can find information about our upcoming performances, works that we have premiered, along with information about our debut CD conversations that came out a couple years ago. So, yeah. And when you go to theblankexperiment.com, is it five underscores or it is, is it the word not. blank? So we <laughs> came out, when we made this name, we were not thinking of the legality of having underscores in a name. So, it's B L A N K because okay, all right. and legally in the state of Illinois, we are the B L A N K ensemble. But if you're actually spelling our name, it is five underscores. Five underscores. The a- reason Ava, a- well, Ava said that. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yeah. and because we've gotten many variations of that. I've seen <laughs> one before. One just looks weird. Yeah. Um. No, the five it spells out blank. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. We think it's clever. <laughs> Very clever. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. And we can all hear each other. We're good. All right. Cool. I'm here with probably the person you may have heard the most on the podcast in the last couple of years, Andrew Cody. What's up? First time meeting you actually in person, not on a screen. I know. I was telling my colleague, Paul. Paul, say hi. What's up, guys? Paul's here, too. Uh, Paul and I teach at Merrimack College uh, together. And, uh, yeah, I was telling him on the ride in that I've probably spent the most amount of time with you and the least amount of time with you (laughs) that one could possibly do (laughs) in a friendship. I was like, my old buddy, Rob. Who I've just never met. Never met. <laughs> so much taller in real life than uh, than I imagined in the e-space. Yeah, I suppose like when everyone's on a screen, it's just you know we're all we're all the same height on the screen. Yeah, we are. You know, that's deep. Like, yeah, there's something yeah, there. Let's explore right? it. How's your? Uh, this is your first time in Midwest. It is my first time in Midwest. How's your first time in Midwest? I mean, it's you know, I have like this isn't the first time at something like this. I've definitely done like PASIC a couple times. Okay. You know, so it has the it has definitely that basic vibe to it. Sure. You know, um, not as loud. Yeah. Like basic is freaking loud, which is interesting. Cause you'd think, you know, brass instruments blasting away, hitting your favorite high notes. Yep. And, uh, you know, you'd think that would, that would drive a little bit more. Paul, you've been to basic. Oh, I have. It's noisy, isn't it? It is noisy. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to go hit stuff. Yeah. You know, true. Like, yeah. Maybe it's point. a, so there's a higher concentration of people that hit stuff at basic. Which that, is why it's very louder, true. louder yes. than this right here. Yeah, definitely. All right, so uh, we're asking questions to both composers, performers, and publishers here. So, Andrew, I'll start with you as the composer. And we probably already covered this on the podcast at some time or another. But uh, what is it that drives your creativity? What is, it that, what is the thing that makes you want to put pencil to paper or mouse to screen? Sure. Um, for me, it's, it's other people. Like, it's, for, it's always been 
uh, human connection um, mm. and whatever that might look like. Um, so sometimes musically that comes from, you know, I like to take commissions and make them personal for ensembles. So it's like through something that maybe um, a group experience together or, you know, something that's very individualistic. Um, and that's what I've gravitated toward. I also just really like stories, like really stories that involve interesting people and doing interesting things, whether it be from history or from a football game or whatever, <laughs> whatever it might be. But uh, that sort of like human interaction has always been my, I don't know, driving point. Yeah. Music, you know, people are... I think sometimes people, you know, they, they write music for themselves, and I think that's really cool and really powerful. But for me, I've always just been more interested in using music to connect with others. Yeah, totally. Now, Paul, uh, is it Garrisy? You nailed it. Man, I'm so good at this. So, Paul, you're uh, director of bands at Merrimack College. Correct. So as a, as a conductor, as a performer, what are the things that you do to kind of like solidify relationships with the composers that you're, you know, you're performing their music. Oh, well, I mean, I get to work with Andrew all the time, so like we are That's as an easy one. solidified as possible. <laughs> um, you know, it's a great question, and I think um, as as someone who is leading ensembles and thinking about programming music, um, I, I try to think about our students and what I want them to get out of mm -hmm. everything that we're doing here. Yeah. And so, um, so that could mean, you know, choosing, you know, programming music uh, thematically or, uh, you know, I'm focusing on certain composers and arrangers. I'm, I'm thinking in the context of jazz right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, certain, certain arrangers um, have you know, various levels of difficulty and, and different things that our students can get out. So I try to think about the end of what our students are getting. And so that's, that's really the guiding force between all of the decisions that I'm making, yeah, uh, as you know, as, as someone who's leading ensembles, right? Cody, what are you working on right now, compositionally? So I'm in in really the edit phase right now. So this mm. past summer, um, I got to go to Nashville and work uh, with this guy Dave Elkins from a band called May, um, and he produced um, a four track kind of post rock EP that I was able to record at awesome. uh, his studio um, in Nashville. And so um, it's it's in the mix process right now. And uh, I'm really excited because the Atmos, uh, we're going to do a Dolby Atmos master. Mm -hmm. So it's the first time kind of like entering the spatial audio world. Um, but that's supposed to come out probably February or March. And so uh, that's kind of where my brain space is uh, <laughs> in terms of that, which is totally different than, you know, the yeah. classical music world stuff. Um, but I'm also really excited about it. It was that's awesome. a fun experience. I got to play drums on a record for the first time in a while I got to play guitars and bass and a lot of other kind of fun instruments and then um, they had just crazy amounts of effects pedals I, it, was, it was literally like being in a, in a, in a playground for me for <laughs> yeah. for, uh, for a while so it's it's cool it's noisy it's um, it's based off of an old Alan Watts lecture mm -hmm. on dreams and I think that's as much of a spoiler as I can give for it but uh, Ooh, yeah it's a 20, right. 20 minute EP it'll be in all of the streaming platforms and pressed uh, to vinyl so I'm excited about it it's awesome Awesome, Paul. What's on uh, What's on your stand? Like, what What's coming up? Well, what are you performing with your band? So I um, I just want to say, like, my my whole framework for being an educator is through performance. Like, yeah. I'm uh, I'm an active performer. And I just got like two nights ago. I finished a run of shows in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, for a, a production called Club Drosselmeyer, which was this interactive theater music puzzle experience. Okay. So the whole premise was. You enter this club, it's 1939, and you have to solve puzzles that affect the course of the ending of the show. 
And so throughout, okay. the band was playing the whole time, and our music was programmed based on what was happening with these puzzles. So, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure type thing? Uh, yeah, choose-your-own-adventure mixed with es- escape room mixed with... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing. That's so cool. It's amazing. So I just got done with that two okay. days ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was incredible. Super fun. Not to mention the performers that you got to play with, too, with that, which were all... Oh yeah, the spectacular the musicians band, in Boston. Yeah, the band was composed of a, a lot of uh, you know Berkeley faculty members, mm-hmm. New England Conservatory faculty members. Yeah. So it was it was just a blast just getting to make some music with those those people. That's sweet. So Cody, we know where uh, you know obviously if we want to go hear your music, we go to the adjective site. But what, what's your website? So it is andrewcodymusic.com. Very very simple. Yeah, Paul, do you do you have like uh, performances on like YouTube or anything or? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think if you look me up on YouTube, there's stuff of me playing, but uh, okay. um, largely I'm I'm uh, focused on the Merrimack work, yeah, and uh, directing bands at Merrimack. So awesome. check that out as well. Awesome. Thanks thanks guys so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm here with Sakari Vanderveer. Yeah. Did I say it right? Yes. yes. <laughs> My reading is top-notch today. All right. So uh, you're a composer, um, and uh, we're doing interviews at Midwest with composers, just uh, asking them, you know, what drives your creativity? What's the thing that makes you want to put pencil to paper? For me, um, what drives a lot of my creativity is relationships. Mm-hmm. I really love working on commission and getting to know um, the performers that I'm working with and what really makes um, the event special, you know, whatever yeah. the music is going to be for. Um, for example, I'm working, I'm currently working on a, a grade one band piece. Okay, yeah. Um, and. It was really nice to sit down with the band director when she was interested in the commission and just, you know, get to hear more about why she wanted the commission. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she told me a lot about how it's like, um, it's going to be the 20th anniversary of the school and she really wanted to do something special for the students, especially the eighth graders who had gone through the online sure. learning and everything. Yeah. And so um, I've been able to think about that and sort of reflect on, you know, what their school, you know, mascot means to them and their motto, mm-hmm. things like yeah. that. So, yeah. So, um, you know, writing, writing grade one, that has to be like really <laughs> challenging. <laughs> so what, what's your process like in terms of like being creative within those uh, constraints? Um, I actually, I love that kind of challenge. Yeah. Um, it, it's a really great great contrast between you know um, you know say writing concert music for a professional group and then going to like grade one you know, instrumental ensemble. Um, for me, it's like a little bit of a, a logic puzzle in a way because mm. um, of course there's all the restrictions of what they can play or right. what's feasible or accessible. Yeah. Um, but then of course I know what I like aesthetically. Mm-hmm. And um, it gives me a chance to think about, okay, how can I sort of squeeze that in but still make it accessible for yeah. them, you know? Um, and I love it, actually. I find yeah. it, um, it's really freeing, too. I'm the kind of person, if I have too many options and I'm just, like, <laughs> paralyzed. So yeah, right. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, okay, they have these notes available. That's it. Great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, you're working on that right now. Mm-hmm. What else are you working on? Or what, what did you recently do? Like, what's, what's kind of new that you have? Yeah, I have um, a number of pieces kind of percolating, actually, that I'm working on for different, um, mostly chamber ensembles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on a, um, 
piece for Third Coast Percussion. Okay, yeah. As well, um, it's local to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, working on a piece for Jack Quartet. Okay. Um, also, there's a symbolism artist, um, Chester Englander, and doing a solo piece for him. Um, and then I'm also working on a, a mixed chamber ensemble piece for the Gabriela Lena Frank um, Creative Academy Music. So what? a lot of oh chamber, chamber stuff going on this year. You're a really lot of busy. Chances to explore, yes. <laughs> but it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, where can uh, where can people like find your music? Uh, you know, your older pieces, recordings, videos, anything like that. Yeah. So I am um, pretty easy to to Google stalk and find online. <laughs> Um, not many other Sakari's. Um, so sakaridixon.com is where you can find me. Um, that's S-A-K-A-R-I-D-I-X-O-N. And then um, on um, socials, at Sakari Dixon, pretty easy to find, um, YouTube as well. So yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for stopping by and doing this. Thank you for the interview. Really enjoyed it. All right, we're back at Midwest with Spencer Arias. How's it going, man? It's going really well. Happy to be here. Yeah. What uh, what number of Midwest uh, attendance is this for you? Maybe fourth. Fourth? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're asking all the composers, um, you know, that we're talking to here at Midwest, um, what what is it that drives your creativity? What is it? What is the thing that makes you actually want to like get up and write? The people, actually. Yeah. I, feel like our field has just a lot of really wonderful people in them and in, in it and, and a lot of different types of people and, and every single time I work with a new person I feel like I learn something new yeah. and I can they challenge my own perspective on creating and and I you know the more that we get to work with the humanity of us we have to remember that you know many of us especially if we do anything with electronics or we do anything with you know even notation software it's like still very disconnected from humanity yeah. many times and um, the people who are making the music like there's a person on the other side mm-hmm. and I think it's really special when you can connect with someone and and create something beautiful together yeah um, what are you what are you currently working on like, <laughs> a lot of things yeah uh, the uh, so many things. Yeah, yeah 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 so many things no I have a really exciting project coming up actually uh, over in Michigan um, the working with a plant biologist actually. Um, Whoa! Yeah, okay. yeah. Tell me, I, I want to know about this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, so it's a wonderful group of people um, that are they're doing this uh, tip. Science money exists, right? And science money yeah. is where the money is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely one of the best commissions I've ever had. Um, no, I uh, met him while I was a student at Michigan State, and he uh, applied for a National Science Foundation grant. Um, and this is going to be, I'm writing a five minute piece for solo percussion um, and uh, about plant biology, uh, photosynthesis actually. Okay. Um, the working title is The Adventures of an Inefficient Photon, um, <laughs> which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Um, and it's going to actually be one. on PBS. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the okay. idea is that to, uh, part of the grant, the way that it was written was to uh, present information in a different way to an audience because um, there has to be some sort of like, uh, how does this benefit society type yeah. of thing and uh-huh. um, you know when your research is something like photosynthesis like how can you benefit society with something that is maybe like a lot of people already know about and you know yeah. maybe something comes from it but um, one other way that you can do it is through public outreach um, yeah. and so uh, I met him at my orientation my first week at Michigan State as, an, as a doctoral student uh-huh. and 
Uh, it's finally coming to fruition after I've already graduated. Um, <laughs> the uh, but no, we brought in. I brought in three other composers: uh, Lisa Coons, um, yeah, Libby Meyer, who is also here, okay. and um, we. And then I also have uh, Lynn Geringer. Okay. Um, and so the four of us are writing pieces. We were all paired with a different plant biologist, um, and it'll be presented in April. Actually, okay. How like how deep are you getting into? you know, the science of it all, like, and how, is is there kind of like, are you translating anything into music, or is this just like, oh, I'm going to learn about this and have a musical reaction to it? There's a lot of different ways that, that uh, we, there wasn't like a way we had to respond to it. We were definitely given some freedom. Um, I uh, am trying to find a way of almost like, I wouldn't say like Mickey Mousing, but like narrating what he's doing. Uh -huh. um, the, I remember when he first presented his research to me and the percussionist, uh, Chris Size, actually, mm -hmm. um, we were like, you need to dumb this down for us. We have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Um, and so we really wanted to make sure that, that the way that he's presenting it and the way that we're presenting it is approachable so that that way it actually can reach an audience and teach people about the purpose of the grant, which is yeah. to teach them about plant biology, which is a very different process than, than whatnot. But he also wanted to make sure that the scientists really wanted to make sure that we knew that we were still artists and were free to, to do what we want and, right, and whatnot. Yeah. And so that, you know, I think all four of us composers are probably taking a different approach to that yeah um, awesome. so yeah cool so uh where can uh where can people find your other works recordings scores stuff like that yeah um my work can be found at my website spencerarius.com um i have written a lot of saxophone music i've written some some band music as well um i'm trying to write more band music um and uh <laughs> Th thus hence Midwest. being here yeah. yeah but uh uh and then you know i uh and i really love working with people as i said and, yeah. and those collaborations if you if you want someone who will you know, fight for the collaboration and make sure that everyone's voice is heard and everyone's voice is respected. Um, that's really what I thrive on. And that's how, you know, that's basically what my dissertation was about. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Great to see you again. All right, sweet. So, Octavio, oh my God, it's been so long. Oh like, my God, it's been so long. Right. Yeah. So, w you. You were doing the the DMA at mm -hmm. uh, Bowling Green when I was finishing up my uh, my undergrad, mm -hmm. and you know uh, your you know, undergrad. I know undergrad, right? But amazing, amazing conductor. Now you're at uh, Michigan State University, director of orchestras there. Uh -huh. So we're talking to you know composers, orchestra, uh, you know directors, orchestra band, and uh, we're just asking questions. So for uh, yourself as a performer, as a director. What are the things you do to develop and maintain a relationship or relationships with uh, the composers who you are, you know, your ensemble is performing? Well, um, first, you you need to just um, do a have a, a a list of composers that you just really feel attracted to. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and also another list of composers that you want to explore, uh, composers that um, are out there, composers that are less well known. It it takes a, a lot of research yeah. for us, for performers, to keep uh, that going because there is always just like great composers around that are not as well known or whatever, and just 
but it, it takes a lot of research and a lot of uh, looking, a lot of listening. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you just need to just dive into the music and just really trust that. And then just, uh, you know, there is a lot of perusals, a lot of um, uh, uh, research, and then do the music. You cannot just stop on just looking at what they're doing. You just need to do it. So just you, in every concert, I do uh, leave space for uh, new compositions. Um, in my case, I also just, in, at the university, I like to just promote within the university just new compositions. Yeah. So every concert starts with a very short two, three minutes uh, opener by a student composer, uh, which is a premiere. Uh, of course, we have the composition uh, contest, and then just every year we, need, we uh, perform a just a longer uh, student piece, uh, both with the orchestra and the new music ensemble. Then um, uh, you also just approach other people, and and just like they, you know, when I work with my colleagues at the school, I always, you know, to perform with us with the orchestra, I always say, okay, I want to do something with you. What composers yeah. can you just bring to the table? Yeah, and you know, no Mozart. I want something that is someone who is alive, mm -hmm. some a composer you want to do with us, and so just you start developing. Um, Relationships that way. Um, composers are, uh, they should also just be in touch with performers, and some composers are really good about that. Yeah. Some composers are really just good about sending you things, about keeping in touch, like um, uh, continuing uh, inquiring. And that, I yeah. really actually love that, even if I just might not just do the piece right away, but I have that composer in my, in my list. Yeah. And then I just keep. Uh, uh, listening and researching what they are doing, and just in one point or the other, I, it's that that composer or their or their music might not fit in my programs right away, but in one point or the other, yeah, I will find the yeah. way in which they are gonna fit. Yeah, I want to, you know, the the thing you're doing with your student composers, that is such a special um, program you have, you know, because especially with orchestra. You know, it is so. Those those opportunities don't come around a lot, and it it feels like as a student, you know, well, okay, finale Sibelius, it's not going to give you what you need to actually know like if what you're doing is going to sound good in the ensemble and if it's written well for the ensemble. So giving those students that you know that that space and that time on an actual concert, not just not just like a one-off reading session. That, that's so special. I think you're doing great work there. Mm -hmm. so. Thank you. We also have the readings, and those are also just very uh, telling. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they, what they do, well, we do a couple, we do a few readings. We do composition readings, we do orchestration readings, and we also do uh, the in-the-works readings, so mm. just like pieces that they are actually just like, they're they are commissioned or they're done for something else, Yeah. and we just like, uh, in the not in the early, but in the middle stage of where they are composing, yeah. they w we do the reading so they just know what they need to be right. working on. So just in all in all, there we have I devote probably it is a couple of weeks each semester mm. of readings, which at the end is just quite a lot. So just yeah. plus of course the you know the the uh, other 
performances that we just yeah, mentioned. Yeah, but that's that's so special. You're, that's, Thank you. That's great work you're doing. So, um, you know, looking forward, you know, the the semester is done. We're looking forward to the spring. What's on your stand? What are you What are you planning on doing in the spring? Okay, so now uh, in the spring, uh, what the orchestra in this in my uh, school, the Michigan State does is we also just collaborate with other people mm -hmm. such as of course we just need to just we have the opera and we have at the end of the year we have um, a more classic uh, concert because we collaborate with the choir so it just sure. depends of what they need and can do yeah. we do so in the first concert of the of the, um, of the semester we will have one of the uh, openers with a student um, and then we do uh, an um, Stacy Garrop, she wrote, okay, um, yep. she wrote a, a viola concerto, and mm -hmm. so the this is the case that I, what I was saying before. My uh, uh, colleague, uh, saxophone Joe uh, Joseph Lulov, commissioned her to just do an arrangement for saxophone mm -hmm. and orchestra. Mm -hmm. So we are doing the viola concerto uh, of Stacy Garrop, which is new; it just performed last year. Uh, on the new version of the saxophone and orchestra. Awesome. And then uh, in that concert, to run out the concert, we um, were doing the concerto for orchestra by um, Lutos Lasky. Mm -hmm. So, which I think is just really an amazing piece. And even though it is non new music, it is also just one of the, you know, like big pieces of yeah, the absolutely. 20th century that everybody just needs to explore. Which I, that's another thing that I like to do is just come back to pieces like you know and composers that uh, the students need to know from of the course. 20th century yeah even if they are not alive but on that you know uh, era then the second concert we do uh, we are doing opera we do the Falstaff then the op uh, um, half of the orchestra half the and the other half of the orchestra is gonna do Hindemith the um, uh, symphonic metamorphosis and then we do the winning piece of the um, um, composition contest okay um, another fanfare another uh, opener so just yeah. that actually, actually is just really heavy on new music plus a few concerto competi uh, uh, concerts from the concerto yeah. competition wow you're yeah. busy <laughs> we are busy and then the, the the last concert of the year we'll do like the concert with the choirs and that's a little more classic we'll do the Bach uh, some uh, excerpt from Bach B minor we'll do the Ravel um, Daphne's exclusive uh, suite number two yep. Mo uh, cantata uh, Mozart by uh, uh, cantata by Mozart and and the uh, German working awesome Brahms German working so yeah well man it's good to see you again good to catch up thanks for doing this great and to yeah. see you yeah you too fantastic thank you all right we're back in midwest we're here with justin cam did i say that right yeah awesome um so you're both a composer and uh you do you also lead an ensemble yeah so i'm the director of orchestras at burke high school in omaha nebraska and okay. i also assist with bands awesome so uh, we're asking, I mean, you could, you could answer either or both of these questions, but we're asking composers, you know, what is it that uh, drives your creativity as a composer? Like, what's the thing that makes you, you know, want to write, or, uh, put pencil to paper? And then as a uh, director or conductor, um, how are you, you know, how are you forming and solidifying relationships with 
composers that uh, your ensemble might be playing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Either one or, or, you know, both or whatever. So uh, can you repeat the first question? Again? Sure. As a composer, what is it that drives your creativity? Um, for me, it really is just like anything. Like I will just be walking around and like, oh, I can write something about Oh, this. that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Right. And I can write about it. And like I just take inspiration from anywhere. But mostly I tend to have uh, more accessible music mm -hmm. that is like not extremely difficult to play. Mm -hmm. But um, ideally, I see that there just isn't a whole lot of different orchestral uh, compositions out there, especially written by POC composers. Mm -hmm and um, just diversity. So I really just want to put my voice out there and also it, just yeah. tell my story. Yeah, awesome. So as, as a, a like, you know, a band director, or sorry, uh, orchestral director, um, you know, what, what types of things are you doing with your ensemble? Um, I'm always just trying to get inside their head and behind their eyes and <laughs> just, a, um, right now I kind of, I have, haven't, sorry. Having seen a bunch of ensembles at Midwest, uh, I really am now inspired to sort of create a musical expression, musicality sort of workshop with them and mm, um, yeah. work with them on that because oftentimes I think we get so lost in just the notes and the music on the yeah, page. Then, sure. But uh, right now I have two orchestras, so one of them I'm kind of working on intonation and just mm -hmm. working on how to hear things mm -hmm. and match pitch. Um, the other orchestra I'm working on just uh, the musicality aspect. Yeah. So. With it, it just uh, string orchestra. Yeah, I have yeah. string orchestra and then I have chamber orchestra. Okay, um, you know, with that, with, with a string orchestra. I'll, you can certainly find a ton of that music, you know, written pre-1900 or something like that. Are you able to, like, get uh, newer stuff in front, of these, uh, in front of these kids for them to play and, like, actually engage with, like, living composers? It's a little bit harder yeah. for string orchestra, yeah. mostly because um, when you find, like, a new composer, they tend to write grades, like, five, six. Yeah, right. And it's like, okay, not we very accessible. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I've been really just trying to get newer voices into both orchestras, really. Yeah. And it's, really, it's been easier with the um, chamber orchestra side because we yeah. recently just did a presentation on diverse repertoire, awesome. diverse repertoire with like a bunch of different composers, living and non-living. Um, at the Nebraska Music Educators Association. Awesome, yeah. So we were able to do that. That was great. Um, but for my string orchestra, it's really, it's a little bit harder. It's tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you written anything for them? Um, I have not written anything for them, most because it's just been like, uh, I've been following sort of passion projects. Like yeah. uh, recently, I just finished arranging a March Man show for fun. Oh, awesome. And then um, I'm actually sketching out a either a string orchestra or a full orchestra piece right now. Cool. And then I am also um, in the process of finishing a full orchestra piece. So Awesome. So um, where can people like go online and like listen to your recordings and find scores and stuff like that? Yeah. So I have a website. It's still like in the works, but mm -hmm. it's uh, justinhcam.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E. 
dot com slash music and it's Justin J E S T I N H Cam C A M. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Justin. For sure. Thank you yeah. for having me. All right, we're back. Andy. Andy. Pronounce your last name for me. Juntinen. Juntinen. I would have tried and I would have failed. It's okay. So Many people have tried and failed before <laughs> you. Many people will try and fail in the future. After, right. All right. So we're at Midwest. We You're are. a composer. I Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. What What would you say your, your main uh, interest in gig is? Oh, uh, definitely actually composition. Okay, yeah. so you're a composer. We can, we can definitively say that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, we're talking to composers at Midwest and just asking, like, what, what is it that drives your creativity? You know, what's, what's the thing that makes you put pencil to paper? Ooh, I just want to make cool sounds. Mm. Uh, like, I love experimenting. I love finding new things to, like, mess around with. Um, my whole goal is just to wow people and get that WTF moments like all the time. Like that's all I'm here for. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, what, are you, what are you working on right now? Uh, so uh, last year, uh, actually almost to the day, I was finishing a piece for the Blank Experiment. Mm. Um, we had them come in and do a new music festival at Bowling Green State University. Shout out Chris Septa. Um, <laughs> And that's where you're at, right? Are you, are you still uh, there or are you done? I just finished in April. I did a semester of adjunct uh, okay. adjunct teaching there. And then now I'm moving to Cleveland in like 10 days. Oh, so is that a new school, new job? New, what, what's new going job. On? I, uh, yeah. I'm working with Andrew, uh, Drew Hostler of the Blanky Square. Oh, okay. At uh, the Cleveland Institute of Music doing um, arts admin awesome. work. So I'm excited for that. But a year ago, uh, I was writing a piece for The Blank Experiment, and it went really well. It was a great performance. Like, we loved the piece. But was now, it for the whole ensemble? It was. I okay. was one of the lucky ones. I got yeah. to pick uh, the, the whole quintet. Um, and now I'm expanding that to do, like, a band version of the piece. It's a little bit longer. Oh. I'm uh, experimenting more with extended techniques in band ensemble okay um and i'm having a lot of fun being creative in my own world um i love to uh, like my process is pretty similar to some but i like to work in a daw mm -hmm. um i will sketch out a lot of my material and for this one it's like already sketched out so now i just get to add more things in different instruments and plug in new multiphonics if I want to try mm, them out yeah. and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like itching into um, some really interesting timbres and textures in, in the band world with a piece that I'm already familiar with so it's been a lot yeah. of fun. So uh, is that piece just going to be like that's going to be the material that becomes a band piece or is the blank experiment still going to be performers in front of the band? I was I went back and forth with do I want them to be like a concerto type thing but mm -hmm. I just think the piece is too short mm. it's only like six minutes okay 620 yeah. right now mm -hmm. and right now I'm thinking it's just going to be like a nice wind band piece okay cool um, yeah as someone I was just talking to Ken Thompson and as someone who has one of those pieces that's 
you know, on the shorter side, like six and a half, seven minutes, that does have three soloists out in front of the ensemble. Right. It's a bit tough to get that performed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and especially with an ensemble that's oboe, clarinet, saxophone, bassoon, and harp. And harp, yeah. Yeah, right. the harp really throws a, an edge into it. But yeah. uh, Danielle is wonderful and uh, only yelled at me a couple times for <laughs> bad harp writing. Well, that's good. I mean, we need to get yelled at for our harp writing. We love getting yelled at yes. for our harp writing. Okay, cool, Matt. Well, uh, where can people find your music and uh, you know uh, listen to it, find scores and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm all over social media. Andy Juntonen, J-U-N-T-T-O-N-E-N. For those who don't know how to spell it, um, or pronounce it, like or me. pronounce it, it's <laughs> totally okay. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter and Facebook. I do have a website. Um, but it, you can find it through those things, those uh, social media plugs. Awesome. Well, how's your Midwest been so far? I love Midwest. This is my first time here. I'm here with a bunch of friends from Interlochen and undergrad and grad places. And it's great to see all of these people in one spot. Awesome. Cool, man. Thanks cool. for doing this. Thank you. Thank all you. Right. It has not helped me not make a spider web of cables but anyway we're here with garrett hope what's going on man hey man just enjoying the midwest yeah how many midwests have you been to what number is this for you six or seven six or seven so you're a seasoned veteran M maybe kind of <laughs> I, I guess depending on the people who have been doing this for what 20 years or something like or 40 that. yeah right. <laughs> well um you know, we're talking to composers and uh, asking the question, you know, what is it that drives your creativity? What is it that uh, makes you put pencil to paper or mouse to screen or however you do it? Stylus to iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there are, for me, two big inspirations. The first is sometimes I just have to write. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. there's something inside that's bursting to get out. Uh, and then other times, since I write a lot for educational ensembles, I mean, that's why I'm here at right, Midwest. Of course. I, I really love connecting with students and getting young musicians excited about making music. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So are you, you know, are you kind of visiting these schools virtually or do you get to go and like, you know, sit in on, I mean, what, what educational ensembles are you talking about? Like, are we talking high school, middle school, even younger than that? Or? Um, I, I mean, the answer is yes. I've done awesome. it all in person yeah. and virtual, but a majority is more the high school level. Yeah. Okay. And because there are slightly more mature students, slightly. Slightly. Allegedly, slightly, yes. kind of. So we're told. Uh, that there's opportunities to do a little bit more um, engagement in terms of helping them be creative. Yeah. And there are all these state and national standards in music education where these educators not only have to have the students performing, but they actually are supposed to be creating. Right. And a lot yeah. of band directors don't know. They have a lot of fear and anxiety because they're not composers. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of these clinics and workshops where I go in and I help teach Composite, just basic composition techniques. Yeah. Have everyone write a melody. Yeah. And here's three things you should know about how a melody should work. <laughs> Let's write a melody. Yeah. And then you can progress from there. And That's awesome. Yeah, but it, it works well at all ages. I've actually done it with kindergartners. But rather than putting notes on a staff, 
you know, we would do it with relative pitch and yeah. then play it, say, on like a pentatonic marimba. Right, yeah. Right? So yeah. it doesn't matter what the pitch is. It's like, let's go high, let's go low, what's happening. Yeah. But then they get the idea of how a melody functions. Yeah, it's kind of that approach of like, you know, you hand a kid like a, a bag of random Legos or something. And it's like, this is what you have. Make something cool. Right. That's it. You know? Yeah. Don't don't worry about like the theory or whatever. Don't try to even make it look like anything in particular. Just make something cool. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what are you what are you working on right now? What do you have coming up? What did you recently do? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> well, uh, I'll answer the first one first. So uh, I have a big commission coming up where uh, I'm a composer in residence for a local community band. Mm-hmm. And they are celebrating the founder of this band who passed away recently. And so we'll do a commemorative concert, and I'm going to write a big piece to celebrate this individual. Awesome. And then I'm also working on a short film score at the moment. Uh, More recently, uh, had a piece premiered last week. Uh, This is the great part about being a composer in residence is I get a lot of music played. I see. (laughs) That's a good good thing. It's a great thing. And... uh, the other big thing I've been really working on is the Ultimate Music Business Summit, which mm. comes up in, gosh, just over two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that happening? It's all virtual. It's online. All virtual. And people can get information at musicsummit.biz. And they can still sign up for it? Absolutely. I don't know if we're going to have this out in two weeks, but I will make that the goal. So if they hear this and they want, oh, that sounds so cool drive traffic well even then even if you're not listening to this until say february (laughs) we uh we do sell a ticket that allows you to watch all the videos at leisure that's great basically create a membership site with recordings of all the presentations awesome because we want we have a couple goals the first is we want musicians to recognize that they are a small business yes and we want to help people take control and get their business ready for 2023. Mm -hmm. So if you're ready to think that way and all the benefits that that brings you by understanding that you're serving an audience and that you're offering value and helping them get what they want and need, even by creating art, there's a whole lot of reasons people come to art. Well, just offer that as a solution. Then the summit summits for you. And if you want access, you can get it even after the fact. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Well, uh, what was that website again for that summit? Musicsummit.biz. Okay. Where can people find your music, recording, scores, anything like that? Well, my website is garretthope2rs2ts.com, but it, I'm in the process of redoing it, so okay. I don't know what will be found there whenever people go. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But that... Garrett at GarrettHope.com is the best way to reach out to me, and most of my band scores for the band people that might be listening yeah. are all available on JWPepper.com. Awesome. And tell us about your podcast. Oh, yes. The Portfolio Composer. There it is. Yes, which is all about the business side of writing music. Mm-hmm. And people can find that. I, I found it on iTunes. Are you on pretty much everywhere you can find a podcast? All the places I should be available. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there it is. Garrett, thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, 
please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com. <laughs>